What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Miles, and in this interview series, we interview the smartest minds in crypto. Today, we have Gareth Soloway joining us on the show to discuss the markets. Gareth, welcome. Hey, thanks, Miles. Thanks for having me. You've been a guest I've wanted to have on the show for quite some time. I think your insight into the market is great, um, and you can give some really good perspective about where we currently sit, uh, not only in crypto, but also um, in equities as well. So today, I want to ask you about Bitcoin, where you see us in the cycle, um, how you view the, re- view the relationship between crypto and equities, um, what your trading strategy is, and yeah, I th- there's a lot to ask. So I think we just we just crack straight into it. Nice. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm here to answer any questions. We can dive into some psychological stuff as well, not only charts, but yeah, man, I'm excited. Awesome. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, who is Gareth Soloway? Give us a bit of an insight into how you got into trading and, and, and you know, what, what, you, what you kind of do on a daily basis. Yeah, so I got into trading when I was when I was relatively young. Um, I was kind of a high schooler, so so just even before going to university and everything like that. I I grew up in kind of this lower middle income family where we didn't have any money to invest, so I wasn't exposed to investing, right? And and lo and behold, when I was looking to getting into a university, I was kind of like, okay, well, what would look good on my resume? And and sure enough, there was this investment club, and it happened to be in the late '90s when the dot coms were going nuts, and and I basically had this you know fake account that. I was given. And before you know it, during the dot-com bubble, which again was very crypto-esque of 2021, I I turned it into a double and a triple, right? And to a kid that didn't have a lot of money, this was incredibly addicting. It was just like, oh my goodness, could this be real? I mean, is this even possible? I've got to figure this out. So so lo and behold, I I went to the university, went for economics. Um, Afterwards, I worked at a company where they it's it was supposed to be you know financial planning but it was really me on the on the phones cold calling i hated it i saved 10,000 bucks i went out and i started trying to learn how to trade i was horrendous at it just like everyone out there is when they start i was losing money i had to work three night jobs three side jobs to get to replenish that account and then over the course of years i slowly started to analyze charts started to recognize patterns that were going over repeating over and over and started to kind of understand the mindset of investing and trading and it led me into kind of this profitable groove that i've been in so i've been doing this now for 20 plus years uh, mostly stocks and commodities crypto is a little bit newer but the beauty of it is is that a chart is a chart if you have a million people trading in crypto or a million people trading Tesla stock, the charts are going to represent the same things. It's buyers and sellers. And so you can really trade anything you want out there when you learn how to read the charts. Yeah, I think on that point, I, I do see like a bit of division in in kind of the um, perception of technical analysis. So some people call it astrology. Um, some yeah. people, you know, are really, really like convinced like the, the lines on their charts are a, a dictating price. You know, how do you kind of view technical analysis? Well, so the, the important thing to understand is it's right down the middle of both those two views, right? So, so number one, it's all probabilities, right? So, so what I always say to people is, you know, any of us who have been to a casino, you know, you don't want to be the gambler walking in there where the odds are 50-50 or worse. You want to be the casino house where when you're analyzing these patterns, you always have to go in understanding it could fail, but the probabilities are higher that they won't. And so it's really a game of numbers, right? And that's where it comes into managing your money, managing how much you're putting in each trade. You know, if you're going to go all in on a trade and that happens to be one of your losers out of every five, 
well, that's going to screw you up. You're going to blow up your account. So it's about money management and understanding that any pattern can fail. You just want to do the do over and over again. Let's say 70% success rate. That'll put you in the hall of fame and make you a lot of money. How would you get into trading if you're a retail? Because, you know, it's a tricky game. And you even said yourself, you know, it took many years for you to, to get the formula right. And, and now you're in a strong position. What do you think the qualities are that make a, a good trader? Yeah. So, so I think the qualities, right. I mean, you have to be able to be disciplined. And I think that's one of the things that we've seen in the crypto markets in 2021, where, you know, if you were chasing Bitcoin at 65, 67, 69,000, it was really looking back on it, a bad decision. And you have to be able to step back and say, Hey, listen, this is already run. I'm not going to pay up three X or five X of where this was, you know, a year ago or six months ago, I'm going to wait patiently, either find another opportunity or wait for this one to come back in. And so I think that's really that, that mentality is something that people find a lot of trouble with because there's so much hype on Twitter, on various like social mm -hmm. medias that everyone's telling you it's going up another hundred X. Right. And in reality, we know it's not going to do that. I mean, yes, you have the amazing things like a Dogecoin, but that's kind of the, not the norm, right? In the real world of investing, it's, it's definitely unusual. So, so you have to have personal discipline. You also have to be able to pull yourself outside of the market and view the market and the hype that's going on because it will tell you a lot about which way you should be positioned. Like when you see everyone being bullish, everyone crazy bullish, start thinking a little bit more the opposite way and vice versa. When everyone's panicking, Go back to logic. Go back to, you know, what's the use case for this? Is it a real use case? Is there value here? And that'll give you the right answer more often than not. And then lastly, it's charts, right? I mean, so charts represent human emotion, buyers and sellers. And so if you just learn, like I say, study charts 10 minutes a day, in a year, you'll blow your mind at how much you've learned. And so that, those are really the, the keys to investing. Are there any kind of resources that you'd recommend for someone that's um, wanting to start trading or kind of like a plan that they can use to, to get started? Of course, you said 10 minutes a day might be a good strategy. Yeah, so 10 minutes a day because it's not overwhelming. I think if people try to dive in, you know, with five hours a day, th there's no way your mm -hmm. brain can absorb it. And really, as you learn each thing, like, you know, learn topping tails today, bottoming tails tomorrow, engulfing candles the next day. You know, it's these are relatively simple things you know, the definitions of what these candles are is simple to follow. It's just, if you try to learn all of it at once, it's going to be overwhelming. So, I mean, in general, pick up a, a regular base TA book, like, you know, they have just standard technical analysis books that teach you the basics. And then you need to kind of follow someone that, that knows what they're doing. Someone that has a proven track record of knowing how to do the technicals, learn from them, you know, learn from people like that. And, and it will come together. It takes time though. And I, I want to I want people to understand this is that there's, there's no like magic formula. If you want to be a brain surgeon, you can't just watch a video and be like, okay, let me go operate on this dude's brain, right? You have to <laughs> practice it. And that's what people don't understand. But if you do practice it, there is light at the end of the tunnel and a lot of money as well. Yeah, I may be even learning on an account that's um, you know, not not funded or using um, artificial money is a good way to to yep. do things because I see a yeah. lot of people jump into the markets and and start with huge amounts and then end up you know wrecking themselves and that learning process is super important. Yeah, um, in fact, so it, it, yeah, I was just gonna say, in fact, you know, one of the best things for me is that I didn't have a lot of money when I started because I would have blown up if it was a million dollars, I would have blown that up. You know, it, it it's all relative, right? So, so for me, it was good that I had only a little bit, and I agree with you. Like a demo account is really good. What a demo account will allow you to do is practice the setups, the technical setups, over and over again 
which then you gain confidence on, and then you can trust it with real money. The only thing that demo accounts don't allow for is your emotion, right? When it's fake money, you, you don't have that emotional pull. So that's the one caveat. Once you go live, you're going to have that real money on the line, and that can be a little scary. Yeah, and, th and then it's all about risk management. So how do you right. um, determine how much, you know, what percentages you put into each trade and, and how you um, manage overall portfolio uh, allocation to individual trades? Yeah, so so for me, it's it's very structured, meaning that before I get in any one trade, it doesn't matter if it's Apple, Tesla, or Bitcoin, it's always ahead of time I make a plan and I say, okay, I'm going to invest X amount of money as a full position. So going in already, I know what my max exposure is going to be. And then what I like to do is I like to kind of inch into a trade, meaning that I'm not putting my whole amount in at one spot, hoping that that technical level is going to hold because a lot of times in fear and panic, it won't, it won't hold. It'll go below that. So what I'll do is then I'll divide it up into fourths, right? So maybe 25% of that money goes in the first level. If it dips a little bit lower, 25%, 25%. And what you'll notice is that if, assuming you're finding a good technical range, you know, your, your first entry may not be right. Maybe not your second, but one of your next ones, you're going to get that bounce. And ultimately, again, that gives you the best dollar cost average. So I'm big on dollar cost averaging into trades. Um, I think, again, it, it, it takes a lot of emotion, right? If, if you're investing 100,000, but let's just say you're throwing 10,000 in it initially, you're not going to be as emotionally attached to that 10K as if it was 100K, which continues to allow you to think much clear, more clearly versus emotionally. Okay, nice. And I was going to ask, what um, is your personal trading style? So we see many different styles in the market. We see some people more on the swing trading side. Some people are like day traders, scalp traders. Um, how do you identify as a trader? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a cross between a swing trader and a day trader. I, I'm kind of the, I, I just can't hold things long term. So there's so many people out there that say, oh, you know, I just hold for the long term. I, I have a hard time doing that because, you know, when Bitcoin was at 65 or 69,000, when the charts are telling you it's going to drop to 20, it's very hard to be like, well, yeah, but this is a long term position. So I'll just watch my money go down by 80% or 70% yeah. and then rebuy, right? So, so, or just kind of sit with it. So, so for me, I, I love the day trading world. I love the, the, the intensity of it, the fact that you can go in and make, you know, thousands of dollars on a daily basis and be in and be out of trades very, very quickly. And I think overall, again, the mindset is, is one of you're using, the trade, right? So, so many people fall in love with things like, you know, Ripple or Bitcoin or, or any of these things and stocks are the same way. And I'm, I'm always say to people, don't fall in love with a, an asset. It's not going to love you back. Only love things that will love you back because it's not going to be like, oh, well, Tommy or whatever really loves me. So I'm not going to dump out on him. Use it to make money for yourself and your family, and then be fine with getting rid of it at the right time and moving on to the next trade. So you don't hold any like stocks or, or crypto necessarily too long term? Yeah. So I, I finally, you know, when we were down around 17,000, I finally tucked a little bit of Bitcoin away, just a very small amount where I'm, I'm trying not to look at it for the longer term. But aside from that, I hold some physical gold um, and physical silver, but that's really it. I mean, aside from that, my investments are, you know, I go into them with this kind of game plan. And then when that game plan plays out and I get that 10 or 20% move in, let's say a couple of weeks, I'm just taking that money and then I find another opportunity. And I think that's one of the great things about technical trading is that you can trade stocks, you can trade commodities, you can trade crypto. And so there's so many options that there's always another trade there for you to take if you get out of one. Okay. So which markets and assets do you primarily trade? 
Definitely stocks, definitely stocks. And, and the re only reason I would love to trade crypto more and, and, and I don't even day trade crypto really, because for the most part, there's not enough volatility. Like I'm, I'm someone who needs volume in a trade. And the reason I like volume in a trade is because it gives me protection. It means that if I have a large position and there's enough liquidity, I can get out of that position. It also means that if there's a big player and if it's a very thin crypto, if that player dumps, it's going to wreck my trade. I don't want to put myself in that risk factor position. So with liquid things, I'm really limiting myself to like the top 20 cryptos. And really, we know from the top 20 cryptos, for the most part, everything moves with Bitcoin. So really, what you're, what you're reduced to is as a swing trader, you're like, am I bullish Bitcoin or am I bearish? Which one, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so there's just not a lot of opportunities in crypto like there is in stocks where you have earnings and you have all these other things going on on a daily basis and these moves up and down. Okay. Um, you just said something interesting. Am I bullish or, or am I bearish on Bitcoin? I think maybe that's a good segue into asking what your opinion is on, on Bitcoin in, in 2023. Yeah, so I think I think for me, this this is very reminiscent. We're seeing this big pump up recently. Um, and I think for me, it's looking at it in, in a holistic approach and saying, okay, you know, to me, this looks very much like during the dot-com collapse when we had these bounces. And it got people very bear, uh, bullish very quickly because we all remember how amazing 2021 was. And in, it was 2000 and 1999 back then. And so you get this kind of sentiment rush of greatness and like, oh, my God, I can make the same amount of money I made in 2021. Problem is, it's usually during the bear market here, it's usually going to be kind of a a, a bear trap or a bull trap. So, so I think that's for me the issue here is that it makes me think we still have some downside to go in Bitcoin. But I do think in 2023, we finally bottom out. I think regulation will help with that. And I think finally, you know, people will start to view at least Bitcoin as more of a safety gold kind of digital gold hedge uh, versus the overall stock market. And is there like a level that invalidates that thesis? Um, so you said like could be a, a bull trap. Is there like a certain uh, certain price action that, that you'll see and you'll be like, okay, let's kind of, let's re uh, reevaluate things. Yeah. So, and, and that's a hundred percent true. So, so any good trader has to be able to pivot when the charts tell them to pivot. So right now, and we can take a look at my chart, if that's cool with you is we can see that again, this move up has been a fantastic move in Bitcoin. But again, if we look at the bigger picture, it's still a very small move in the overall market, right? So if you look at this high down, and so for me, I look at that and I say, okay, we haven't even taken out this high at 25,000, which was kind of even, even a little bit above that. If you look at the 2021 level here, right? So if we go to the lows of 2021, basically it crosses right through this area here, right? So this area and then this area. So for me, at, in the very least, we would need to see Bitcoin trade above 30 for me to even start to kind of think that maybe the lows are in. And again, it makes a lot of sense, right? If we can establish ourselves back above this level, now you're back above some very pivotal levels in the last couple of years in Bitcoin's history. And you could argue that you're kind of closer to the highs at that point. You're getting closer to that 50% closer to the highs versus the lows on the chart. So, so I think 30,000 for me would be a pivotal level. There is one more level that I want to show you here, which is kind of, it was a key breakdown point. So you just want to watch this as well. You have your pivot lows here connecting perfectly to here, here, and we can see we broke there. So if we did get above 30, we would want to see what happens at 42. But already at 42, you could still have the lows in. So I think 30,000 for me is really a big pivotal level here. Okay. And until then, maybe you think it's a bit of, uh, it, it might be potentially a bull trap. So you wouldn't be getting too excited in the short term because I see Twitter yeah. it's certainly getting excited right now.
Yeah, I mean, that's and that, and that concerns me. Like if you go to past bear markets in stocks, commodities, even past in crypto, I mean, look at 2018 into 2019 in crypto is when we had a bounce of this magnitude off the lows. We were at like 3,000, 3,500 on Bitcoin. We went to about 6,000, which was 100% gain. And people were still so scared that the lows weren't in. I mean, no one was really shouting that, oh my goodness, here's the new bull market. Here we are. All we've done is go up, you know, basically 35% off the lows versus 100 back in 2007, uh, 18 and 19. And we have such bullish sentiment. And that's, that's a concern because past market bottoms, now this could be different, but past market bottoms, which tells me it's probability, are telling me to not get too excited just yet. So what probability do you think that the um, bottom is in for crypto? Could you like put a number on it or? Yeah, I would say 20 to 25%. So, so about 75%, give or take, that it's not in yet, that the lows are not in just based on the technicals as well as the psychological sentiment. So again, there, there is a 25% chance it is. I mean, and again, as a, as a technical trader, we have to gauge that and kind of be like, all right, you know, that's the chance. So, so if you're going to go short crypto, you have to take that factor that you could be wrong 25% of the time into account. So it's, it's it, the risk factors when you're analyzing probabilities give you the ability to do proper position size, proper risk, right? And that's really, really important for traders and investors. Yeah. So is, is there a level where, where you're looking at going short crypto in general? Yeah. So what for me, at least with Bitcoin now, so it's consolidated here, right? So if we go in, we've been chopping here. You did get a topping tail right here. Topping tails are bearish reversal signals. And you can see that Bitcoin did fall off of that. For me, if we got a big move up to 30,000 right here, then, then I would absolutely short Bitcoin at that point. It's such a powerful resistance here in terms of the charts that that would be the, the high probability pullback level. Now, again, would I hold it till 15 or 16,000? Probably not, because again, you don't know at that point if the lows are in. But what I would do is I would leg out. I probably, you know, once we're back to, let's say, 25,000 from 30, I would take a quarter off. And then at 20, take a quarter, you know, kind of like inch out, yep. but let a little bit run on the downside. Are you interested in playing that trade? Let's say like, you know, we do exhibit um, bullish price momentum. Maybe we break through 23 and consolidate above that level. Um, do, do you try and play that trade to like 25 to 28 or is it, or is it too much of like a small margin for you? Yeah. So, I mean, that would be possibility, right? So, so for me, it would be one of these things where there's a big level here also, at, if we look at this high area right here, right? So kind of right where we came up to and kissed, we have the high of this consolidation level and that's kind of where we've stopped up. So what you could do is if you get a good bull flag and it gets above this level, you could play it for a run if it gets above 25. 230. And that would be interesting for me. It's because we've already run up so much. It would be one of those scenarios where I would probably put a very small amount of money in, but you could absolutely yep. do that. Again, it's all about that risk management of how much you're putting into that trade. Mm. And I think right now the market, it's it, it's hard to trade because it's very macro dominant. So basically whatever yeah. Powell says is kind of dictating um, how markets move and crypto being so related to equities kind of That's moves right. in tandem. So since the market's so macro dominant, do you have a view um, on the macro and Powell's rate hike cycle and how that could potentially affect equities? Yeah, so so my my theory on or my forecast on how the rest of the year will play out in terms of Bitcoin coming back in, I think by the second half of this year and maybe even the end of the second quarter of this year, I think what you're going to see is the economy starting to slip into recession, but inflation still above what the Fed feels comfortable at for you know basically printing more money and i think that's going to be the real issue here is that if you have 
if you have an economy that's slipping into recession and the Fed doesn't come to the rescue because inflation is too high, you're going to see stocks collapse. I mean, you will see 25% more downside on, on the S&P 500, maybe 30, 35% on the NASDAQ. And then that puts us in a position where, like you said, if risk assets like stocks are collapsing, how does Bitcoin withstand that selling fury? And I think that for me would be one of the cases of why Bitcoin could still go back down. Do you think there's a potential scenario that Bitcoin decouples from equities or are we still a, um, like a, a while away from that? Um, I, I think we're actually closer than than a lot of people think. I think by the end of this year, you could see that. And, and the, the thought process would be is that if we get in and this is kind of like the worst case scenario, but if if the economy gets into a recession, but the Fed can't bail us out, we could be in a multi-year recession. And, and, and with a no bailouts from the Fed printing of money, the question is, well, where does, the, where does money go? Now, if you get some regulation in the crypto markets where all of a sudden institutional money says, wait a minute, we know that there's transparency. We can trust the, the books that we're seeing. We know our money's not going to disappear. Now you could have people saying, well, yeah, I was invested in stocks, but we're in a long-term recession. Where would I put my money in the near term? Maybe crypto is the answer there. And maybe Bitcoin sees some money flow even in a recession. So I think that would be my case where, where you could actually see Bitcoin decouple from risk assets. Yeah, because everyone kind of has a different view on Bitcoin, I think. But right now, it's kind of um, a digital gold. People said it was an inflation hedge. It turned out that it maybe wasn't the best inflation hedge. Do you have a view uh, long term on what Bitcoin ends up becoming? Yeah, I do think it's going to be the digital gold, right? I, I, it's not really something where people are going to be doing transactions consistently. I think it's one way to send money, you know, like if you wanted to send some money to someone in another country very, very easily. But for the most part, you're not going to be buying your Starbucks with um, with Bitcoin. So I think I think for the most part, the institutions are already buying it as a hedge against future money printing, which even though I've said I think the Fed would be handcuffed over the next year or so, there will be a point where they have to go back to it. Probably when unemployment starts to spike really quite a bit higher, maybe at five or seven or 10%, they're going to be forced to print again. And that's where that digital gold really gains value, where Bitcoin can really skyrocket. So I, I think that that definitely is interesting to look at. I was just interested. I know you're, you're, you know, you're mostly an equities trader and mostly trade Bitcoin as well, but do you have any opinion on like Ethereum and some of these, these altcoins as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in chart terms anyways, you know, Ethereum to me, same kind of thing. If Bitcoin's going to roll over, I think Ethereum comes in as well. But what I love about Ethereum is that if if we actually get to a point, right, where we have the regulation and we know what a security is, and I'm assuming that Ethereum will be classified as a security, then I think that you have some real interest in investing behind it. And again, to me, this Ethereum would be like Apple computer, right? Or, or like Apple in terms of they have so many things built on top of their platforms where there is a lot of value here. Now, again, I don't know a lot about some of the altcoins, like when you go down past the top 20, but I mean, even look at Solana, right? Solana can process 50,000 transactions per, what is it, per second, even faster than mm -hmm. Ethereum. I mean, there's definitely some use cases for this stuff. So for me to feel comfortable in investing in a lot of these, though, I need to know the rules, right? What what are the security rules that the SEC is going to bring forth? And I think institutions are in the same boat. Once we get that, then we can make decisions on how much capital to allot. That's interesting that you said that, that, that maybe you're waiting for a bit more clarity because I, I imagine like a lot of other expert um, yeah. traders, but also primarily institutions will be doing the exact same thing, waiting on the sidelines and going, okay, let's see how this is regulated and then we can we can make more educated decisions.
Yeah. And that goes back to that risk, right? And that being able to quantify, you know, if, 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 especially if like a hedge fund, right? Hedge funds have a fiduciary responsibility to monitor risk for their investors that are putting millions of dollars in their hedge fund. So they just can't be like, oh, well, I hope the SEC has these good rules that are going to be beneficial, right? You can't take that risk. So I think there's a lot of fund managers that want to invest, but they're just being held back because, you know, their jobs are on the line. If they make a bad decision and crypto collapses, let's say, and they get wiped out, they're out of a job. And remember, they're making like millions and millions a year. So they don't want to lose mm. those jobs. It's not worth risk yet on, on, no, on some shit kind of, or anything like yeah. that. So what are your thoughts on the echo bubble? Because that's a, a term that I see being chucked around quite a lot on, on, on Twitter now. Could you explain like what an echo bubble is and if, if you think that's kind of the situation we're in right now? Yeah, I would just say that I, I absolutely agree that that is what happens. And you do see it. It's like a reverberation, right? So so you get in these, you have these amazing bull markets. And I kind of touched on it earlier where, where you have this scenario where you had such an amazing market move in 2021 and everyone remembers it, right? It was like the good old days. And so we want to naturally, it's human psychology to go back and remember how much money we made. Remember when I made 5X or 100X on Dogecoin. And so you just as human nature is, we want to believe it's going to happen again. And so you get these periods where you have these relief rallies, short covering rallies, and then it excites people and they start to believe again, right? And I think that's exactly what we're in right now. And it does happen. Every bull market, if you look at the declines uh, after a bull market, you'll have these pockets of these bull bounces along the way. And again, we call it bull traps or something like that. But yeah, it absolutely happens. So let's assume we are in, you know, maybe a, a, a bull trap. And that's not to say we can't go to 30. But in general, we, we will see new lows, as you as you mentioned before. Um, what's your outlook for for um, equities and, I guess, Bitcoin heading into the um, the tail end of 2023? Do you think like we see a positive response heading into next year and kind of um, kick off the, the, the typical cycle that that crypto tends to follow? So I'm in more in the camp that that the equity markets will collapse in the second half and that'll take Bitcoin down. But I do think Bitcoin bottoms out in 2023 towards the end of the year. Initially, I was even thinking May or June, but based on the cycles that I'm seeing playing out right now, it seems somewhat unlikely that we'll see that bottom yet. But I do think later in the year, the markets, the stock market dumps, and then we see Bitcoin kind of follow suit. But there's this pivot point where all of a sudden we start to see Bitcoin catch a bid at the lows and it starts to reverse even without the stock market as we get clarity on regulation. So so for me, I would say look to and again, this is one of those things where if you're someone who loves Bitcoin long term, just you can dollar cost average, but leave yourself some side money to go in later on. Right. If it does dump. You want to be able to buy at lower lows. If not, you have some exposure to the upside. But yeah, I do think I do think the second half of the year will be tough. And that's even going into the halving next year. I think Bitcoin will start to re rebound into that. But I do think we before then we go down. Yeah. Do you believe in halving cycles? Do you think that's uh, a real catalyst for Bitcoin as it has been in the past? Or do you think now maybe um, maybe because I guess the market's so aware of, of the halving that it kind of has less of an impact? So I do think that you're correct on that. If the more investors are aware of something, the more they'll try to front run it and you'll see kind of, uh, you know, a float up a little bit. And then smart money starts to use that to their advantage to unload into. So I do think there's something to it. But a lot of times as we as we get into it and we when everyone's already talking about it, like, oh, that's going to be the low, you know, so, you know, it's it's almost like a 
a killing prophecy where everyone says it and then it doesn't necessarily end up being the key case. So again, I think maybe the having turns out to be the low on Bitcoin or right around there, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but I don't necessarily know if we'll see this monster rally going into it. You said equities um, towards the end of the year. That's when they're likely to bottom, and, and that's when you said Bitcoin could bottom as well. What's your exact thesis behind that? Does that line up with um, the, the rate hikes and, and the probability of going to a, a recession? What's your thought process behind maybe looking at um, the second half of the year as, as a level where we could um, see you know, de uh, detrimental price action? Yeah, so definitely, definitely the, the thesis behind um, equity markets having a big leg down in the second half of the year is that we do finally get into a recession. And it's something that we've been we keep on seeing these amazing jobs numbers. But then every day I'm hearing about eBay, Amazon, Meta laying off you know, thousands of employees. And it, we, we have to know that at some point that's going to filter into the jobs numbers. So, so there will be a point in the second half where we flip into recession. And again, I think the key catalyst for why the markets are going to panic on that is that the Fed is going to make it clear, or we're going to know from the inflation data that it's not low enough for them to print us out of that scenario. And so that's, I mean, think about this. We, we have not had a natural market since two, since before 2009, meaning a natural market where the Fed did not come to the rescue of the market every time it had a, had a recessionary move. And so we're kind of like almost like a drug addict that's addicted to this Fed quantitative easing, where it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, we're in a tough spot, print money, make us feel better, make us feel better. And I think if the Fed finally was like in a position where they were handcuffed and they couldn't do that, that's your catalyst for a major panic in the equity markets and also in Bitcoin. But I think, again, Bitcoin at, in that final flush would then pivot and become a safety asset. Well, it's interesting that you say that as well, because as they print more money, at some point, people have to say, like, enough's enough. We, right. we need an asset that's going to hold up. And obviously, gold and silver are, um, are viewed in that category. Maybe that's the role that Bitcoin ends up adopting. And, and maybe that's its catalyst eventually to run. That's 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 my hypothesis is that it, that eventually it does become that where the Fed will hold off printing of money for as long as they can. But like I said, you know, if, if you get I mean, if, if you told me that in, that in, that unemployment was 12 percent or 15 percent in the U.S., you can't tell me the Fed at that point is not going to start printing again because you'd have so many people out of jobs, such hardship for everyone. They'd be forced back into it. And then the question is, well, where do you put your money? Sure, gold, but gold is somewhat illiquid, right? I mean, you can buy some gold, but it's hard to just sell it in the store, or buy buy anything with it. But Bitcoin fills that void. And that's my long-term bull case for Bitcoin. What do you think the top asset could be in 2023? Because if it is a tricky year, then you know it's, it's going to be hard to hold any index fund or, or anything that's exposed to, to that kind of downside. Are there any assets you're looking at that's like, well, okay, this might be able to perform um, against the grain, like commodities or gold, silver? Yeah. So, so my asset, and I, and I said this at the end of 2022, is gold for 2023. And again, I think 2024 is Bitcoin's year. I do think that you will see much better performance. But for in terms of safety, you can see, a number one, already an amazing move up in gold. But what I love about gold here, and this is getting to charts, right, is that you actually have what's called a bull flag formation or in spirit of bull flag. So this would be a consolidation pattern following a bullish breakup here. And again, this is a classic consolidation pattern that when this line breaks here, you're going to get a very nice move up to new all-time highs on gold. So, so I actually think gold, when you compare it to Bitcoin or the S&P, will be looked at back at and said, okay, for 2023, that was the best performer. 
But then I do think by 2024, Bitcoin takes over and Bitcoin has way more upside than gold long term. It's just, you know, we're still in this kind of like figuring out where the lows are in Bitcoin, where it's, it's very risky and probably still has some downside. What's the relationship between like gold equities and bonds? How does it generally react to the market? Yeah, so with gold and equities, right? So so generally, and, and a lot of this has to do with the dollar, right? So if we look at the US dollar, and I think this is a fascinating thing to look at, is this this really is all about um, Bitcoin as well, right? So when the dollar goes up, we see gold pulling back. And, and interestingly enough, if you look at this high here, right? This high was in September, October, November, this area right here. It's actually right when Bitcoin bottomed out as well, right? Right here, early November. And so the dollar, when it topped out, Bitcoin was bottoming out. And if we go to the gold chart, same thing, right? Here, here you are, you know, October, September, October, November, and then look at gold when the dollar fell. So if we go back to the dollar, as, the, as it's fallen here, we've seen Bitcoin, we've seen gold take off, even silver's rallied, and even equity stock prices have rallied as well. And then if we look, we can start to see, okay, wait a minute, the dollar's beginning to bounce, and we've seen Bitcoin start to stall out a little bit here, start to see some selling. Gold's falling off. Take a look at the recent gold chart. Look at this dump out on gold as soon as the dollar started to bounce. So, so for me, that's something that I really watch closely. And when the dollar starts telling me it's going to dump out again, which inevitably it will, then that's the time to go in Bitcoin and go in gold again. Where do you see the dollar heading over the next six months to, to one year? Do you see um, the resumption of an uptrend or do you think it's topped out? Yeah, so I, I think you're due for a continued bounce here. We've had a very sharp decline over the last couple months, right? So I do think there's a little bit more upside, but ultimately I do think the dollar will eventually head down. As, as we start to see economic data weaken more and more, the jobs data eventually will weaken more and more, people will start to forecast that the Fed will have to start lowering rates. When they lower rates, that inevitably will weaken the dollar. The ultimate long case is that if they lower rates enough and it doesn't help, they're going to have to start printing money again. And again, all of those things weaken the dollar. So, so again, again, that kind of breeds the, the why the gold and, and Bitcoin plays will be long-term successes, in my opinion. I think we've seen commodities perform quite strongly as as um, an inflation hedge. Is that something you look at, like positioning yourself in, uh, I guess, like oil and, and other commodities like that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, oil is a little tricky, right? And, and same thing with natural gas. If we look at the oil chart here. So this is one of those where you have to be really, really careful because, you know, this is one where hype was ad absolutely out of control. And I want to show you this. So so this is when Russia invaded Ukraine right here and you had this meteoric spike to one hundred and thirty dollars. And I still remember vividly if you turned on the TV and if you went on Twitter, everyone was telling you it was going to go to one fifty and then two hundred dollars mm -hmm. a barrel. Yet, interestingly enough, if we go to the monthly chart, right, check this out. The monthly chart was actually telling us that we were topping out. Look at this beautiful parallel line right here, right? So that's your high. And look at how it went right to that same line, which matched up with these lows. And so interestingly enough, it gave us a contrarian play on this. And even though oils come back a lot, net net, I'm still bearish on oil because I still think that if the U.S. is going to slide into recession, and the really talking Europe into recession. I mean, maybe maybe Australia, maybe other countries following suit. The demand for oil is going to be the issue, and you're going to see a lower demand, and that's going to be problematic for oil in terms of going up. So it doesn't mean we can't bounce a little bit here, but, but I still have a downside price target of around sixty three, sixty four dollars on oil before I even think about going long. Okay, so you, so you actively trade um, commodities as well as 
as equity. Yeah, yeah. The beauty of it is it's charts, right? So I, I just like mm. if I see a good chart, as long as it has volume, I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> even even old coins one day, maybe if they have liquidity coming in. Yeah, and I do trade. Listen, I do trade Solana. I do trade like some of those other ones, but I stick within the top 20, 20 25 because I need I need like good liquidity and volume, right? I don't know if you did. You see what happened with Aptos? The um the what? kind of the newer L one. The ticker's APT. APT. It's this coin that launched with a lot of hype and a lot of VC backing and um, it, oh it kind of started ripping and everyone was shorting because everyone's like, the fully diluted valuation here is higher than Solana. It's actually the highest valued L1. Um, wow. you know, this is crazy. So let's short, short, short. But all those shorts just ended up um, squeezing the price up and up and up. And then eventually, um, yeah, every like everyone just got wrecked on it. So it's an interesting trade to see whether it comes that down is. to full value. And, and- one thing to just keep in mind, one thing that a chartist needs, like a technical analyst needs, is you need you need history, right? So the first mm-hmm. thing that jumps out to me is that you have very little information. And remember, history gives us the ability to analyze past situations. How did it behave? And so when you don't have a lot of history, you've got to be careful because like you see here, you can get squeezed real easy in the mm-hmm. altcoins. So is there kind of, um, uh, before we wrap up here, like a, a an underlying piece of advice that, that you'd give um, to crypto traders in in 2023 obviously it's going to be a volatile year likely going to be a shaky year likely we're going to see huge pumps and then also swings to the downside how do you manage all that how do you sift through um the rubbish and work out what's fact yeah biggest thing again is to to try to learn charts support and resistance levels and and really again if there's one thing i tell people is is like if you see everyone calling something out like, hey, this is going to go to a million dollars or whatever it may be, really try not to get sucked into that hype. The hype is where most people get in trouble. Like, again, if you buy if you bought, you know, Bitcoin at 30,000 or 20 or wherever, you know, overall, you're not that far out of the money as opposed to if you were buying at 65 or 69,000. So so you really got to really notice that hype and stay away from it. And then the other thing is, Remember, there's always another trade, right? So this is one of the things I learned is early on, I was like, oh my God, you know, I have to do this trade because I'm just, I need that adrenaline. I need that. And and now I'm at a point where it's like, all right, if that trade already bounced a little bit, I don't care. There's another one tomorrow I'll take or the next week. There's always another trade around the corner. So you never have to feel like you have to get into the current trade. Be patient. Let your levels come. You want to find a level that you want to trade. Be patient, be disciplined. Let it come to you. Don't chase it. Love it. Well, it's super, super, super good perspective. And um, obviously, you know, I, I think you're one of the best teachers and um, not only charters, but I think educators in the space because you word things so, um, so, so well. They help people understand kind of the mindset um, behind these things. So, um, no, I really thank you for joining, joining the show today. And I think there's, there's a lot to take out of it. Uh, thank you so much. Honestly, been a pleasure chatting with you. I love the educational side. And again, thank you for having me, Miles. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'll see you later. That was awesome. We had we had Gareth on the show. Um, I think it's really good to get another perspective as well. You see, so many people in this market just um, nonstop bullish, bullish, bullish. Um, and it's you know it's also good to get um, the other side as well, and then work out you know what levels as a trader we use to uh, validate or in- invalidate our thesis. So I think it was a great show. Um, watch it again on, on Two Speed if you want to learn something new. And yeah, I will see you guys in the next interview show which will be with another guest next week as you guys know i do my weekly series and then um after the show i also summarize it on a twitter thread so make sure you're following me on twitter um to stay up to date with that share this with a friend if you want to help them out in the market i think it's important to help our friends out and help our friends become better traders as well as ourselves and until the next one 
I will see you later. Peace out.